What does it mean to live a good life? If you knew you were coming up on the end of yours, what do you suppose would matter most of all in the living of your days? And would that equate with anything we might call good in here? If you haven't asked these questions of yourself for a while, or wherever, really, you could try this little exercise later today or sometime this week with friends or family. If you're in one of our small groups, you could give it a go at your next meeting. What makes for a good life? The writer of 2 Timothy has the Apostle Paul thinking about his approaching death and says this, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. From now on, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness. These words are often recited at Christian funerals, but as I read them this week, detached from any specific context, they struck me with a kind of poignant force given my imminent transition here as senior minister. I wondered what I could say about my own life up to this point. Just what did Paul mean by the good fight, anyway? I think we're inclined to name the good fight as any amount of time we're able to endure on this earth, as though endurance is the greatest good we can think of. Now, I suppose there are circumstances where that's true. Endurance can be virtuous. But Paul had something more specific in mind, something that actually had to do with doing good, promoting good, advancing good in a world that had gone terribly wrong. Not only that, but then spending out his life on behalf of that good. And by the way, you'll note that initially he didn't say anything about winning the fight, only that he had fought it and that he had kept faith. By that, I think he meant keeping faith with the good as he had come to understand it. And the crown he references isn't one reserved for monarchs, but for athletes. As he said, he finished the race and now would receive his crown of righteousness. That is his runner's award. Another way to ask the question goes like this. To what end are you spending your life? To what end? Is there some equivalent of a crown of righteousness for you at the end of life? You know, we all have jobs and so forth. We develop or not habits for self-maintenance and so on. But beyond these rudimentary conditions, at the end of your days, what most of all would have captured your attention and focus? What undergirding principles or truths or good would you have kept faith with? And what does keeping faith actually mean anyway? Paul kept faith with the good he came to know through Jesus. That's an obvious conclusion. But probably we're unaware what actually that meant for him in his day. Consider Paul's actual situation. The first thing to recall is that Paul wrote to Timothy from a prison in the empire's capital city of Rome. The circumstances are intense and dangerous because these are the days of Emperor Nero's ruthless persecution of Christians following a catastrophic fire that burned down much of the city. Many Romans suspected Nero of starting it because of an ambition to rebuild the city, but the fire grew out of control. As Earl Palmer noted, 
Nero was among the most ruthless and cruel of the emperors. He came to the throne through murder, and he would retain power by having his former counselors killed, as well as his wife, and even arranging the assassination of his mother, who was the very one who plotted his ascendancy to power. Need a comparison? Think Game of Thrones for real. His depravity and corruption were over the top. Whenever anyone references the decadence of the Roman Empire, Nero's reign serves as an archetype. He instituted daily contests for gladiators, which became increasingly violent and bloody in the Roman circus. After attending one of these contests, the famous philosopher Seneca, who had been Nero's tutor, wrote, I felt as if I had been in a sewer. Following the Great Fire, Nero blamed the Christians and began a ruthless pogrom. The Roman senator Tacitus reports what happened. To get rid of the rumor about the fire, Nero set up as the culprits and punished with the utmost refinement of cruelty, a class hated for their abominations, who are commonly called Christians. Christus, from whom their name is derived, was executed at the hands of the governor Pontius Pilate in the reign of Tiberius. Checked for the moment, this pernicious superstition again broke out, not only in Judea, the source of that evil, but even in Rome, that receptacle for everything that is sordid and degrading from every quarter of the globe. Accordingly, arrest was made of those who confessed to being Christians. Then, on their evidence, an immense multitude was convicted. Besides being put to death, they were made to serve as objects of amusement. They were clad in the hides of beasts and torn to death by dogs. Others were crucified. Others set on fire to illuminate the night when daylight failed. Nero had thrown open his grounds for the display and was putting on a show in the circus where he mingled with the people in the dress of a charioteer. All this gave rise to a feeling of pity for it was felt that they were being destroyed, not for the public good, but to gratify the cruelty of an individual. This was the capital city of the known world in which Paul was keeping faith, fighting the good fight and finishing the race. We know from his letters that he worked among the guards, some of whom were captured by the same good that Paul had been captured by, the grace of a loving God. We do not have direct knowledge about Paul's death, but piecing the sources together, it's reasonable to assume he was martyred in Rome as one who advanced the gospel of Christ. Good news for the poor. Ultimately, that's what keeping faith entailed for Paul. Now, his story is not our story, of course, but it does illuminate the meaning of his words. It gives us a context and a frame of reference for understanding what he meant. And as you can see, he meant something very substantial. It was no mere gloss of words about things that sort of mattered, but not really within a context of easy pleasures, lots of money, and physical well-being. A couple of thousand years later, we're now gathered in a different environment in another city, although most of us still claiming some allegiance to the same gospel. In fact, we're very dependent upon Paul for our knowing about this Jesus. Interesting, isn't it? He couldn't have known what would come of his work 
But here we are, here we are. His keeping faith in his context has brought about our own faith, such as it is in our context. The way he spent out his life has impacted us directly, and not only us, but billions of others, billions, by keeping faith, by fighting the good fight, by finishing the race. So I come round again to ask you, to which good ends are you keeping faith? Which is the principal race you're running? And which prize do you covet most of all? You know, friends, in part, I think my role at Christ Church over the years has been to ask these sorts of questions, to find as many different ways to slip these questions in over the transom of your consciousness so that they might lodge somewhere inside and noodle around, poking here, agitating there. Of course, these questions can be found out there beyond these walls on the street and in the mundane routines of your normal day. Could be encountering those questions has coaxed you to be present here. How do we keep faith with the God of life and love? Our circumstance isn't nearly as raw and life-threatening as Paul's. In some ways, you know, our situation is more akin to the Pharisees' problem in the little parable Jesus told. He had just enough religion for establishing a self-righteous piety and a narcissistic cult of one, but not enough to take him all the way to humility, which according to Jesus seems the essential ingredient for keeping faith with the God of grace who is pleased to offer himself in love for our sakes and for the sake of the world. Paul caught hold of that same selfless grace, caught hold of it, and spent out his life on its behalf. That's the good for which he fought and kept faith and ran the race. Bracing, bracing to think about, isn't it? Bracing, demanding, inspiring. Thank God we have each other to consider these things together.